Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms. From inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe, this is Neurons to Nirvana. Welcome to the Vinyl Sessions, a combination of highlights from the 2022 episodes and some new content centered around the art and influence of music. Before I start, I've received a few reviews on Apple Podcasts recently, and I want to shout out to user C$E ampersand at exclamation point, which I'll refer to as C$ going forward. Anyway, C$ wrote, title, Hooked, Get the Creative Juices Flowing, 5 Stars. I loved coming through the swath of interesting episodes to select the first one I would listen to, and now I'm hooked. Hearing all about the unique and innovative ideas in a wide variety of fields from people with really interesting personal stories is truly the way to get the creative juices flowing. Welcome to the Neurons to Nirvana community, C-Dollar, and thank you so much for writing your review. It means a lot to me to know people appreciate the variety and mission of the Neurons to Nirvana podcast. This is episode 56. I thought it'd be fun to do a little recap for listeners of some of the best insights from guests around music from the podcast. This time of year can be tough for many, myself included. Holidays are stressful in their own category. I still grieve the loss of my parents around this time of year and continue to process the grief and loss of my mother who passed away last year. Not a day goes by where I don't think of each of them and what they would want for me. And of course, I ask them for their guidance from above in my life and for whatever influence they can give to help my beloved alma mater, the Georgia Bulldogs, to victory on any given game day. I can struggle to process my grief, but I know I'm not alone at this time of year. When I enter the darkness, music has been an uplifting medicine to keep me afloat, re-energize my body, and stimulate my mind. I love discovering new music, sharing new music, and talking about music. John Barrett, author of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, called the book in my hometown of Savannah, Georgia, was quoted saying, Someone once wrote, the musicians are touched on the shoulder by God, and I think it's true. You can make other people happy with music, but you can make yourself happy too. Because of my music, I have never known loneliness and never been depressed. So today I want to share how my podcast guests over the past year have referred to music and its influence on their life careers, and mental health. One of my first guests was Canadian music promoter, correspondent, blogger, and impressive social media influencer, Eric Alper. Our entire episode is a back and forth on music history, the music industry, and the importance of music in our lives. I consider two clips of our conversation highlights, and I'll share them back to back today. One is what music albums are most important to him, and the other is an exchange of influential music in my life. All right, well, humor me. It's 2001, 1998. CDs are still king, prevalent. Your house is burning down. You only have time to get your dogs, your wife, and your daughters out of the house. If you had to pull one, actually, I'd be nice five CDs to save yeah. like one minute, which five CDs would you pull from your 20,000 
collection? Five of them are right behind me. It's the three albums and, from Talk Talk, uh, Three Sides Live by Genesis, and Songs from the Big Chair yeah. by Tears for Fears. Those are probably the 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 five albums I've listened to the most. Okay. That I I would I have several copies of them in case one goes missing. Robert Palmer, what what was your uh, collaboration yeah, with him? Ro- Robert Palmer, I ended up working his last two solo albums before he unfortunately passed away, and actually. Um, you know, it's it's his birthday this week. He was born um, this week know, uh, in the forties, and um, it, yeah. So he never. So he did one show in Toronto that I got to meet him and hang out with him. But I ended up working his last two solo albums as well. And he was just just the classiest mofo that you'll ever want to meet. I mean, exactly how his videos were suave. Yeah, yeah. You could probably walk into a room and pick up your wife. Or and your girlfriend course, at the same bad- time, and just are not you kidding care. me? He's a badass. I mean, his uh, I have him vinyl sneaking Sally through the alley, like that's yeah, kick right. ass. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can't beat that. My friend and podcasting colleague Lynn May and I had such a shared love of music that we recorded a session after we finished our recording of High Maintenance Meet the Cannabis Matchmaker in order to compare our vinyl collection and top five must have records. I never released this recording and thought that now was a perfect time to share the pride of my vinyl collection with my listeners and shine a light on Lynn's vast collection as well. We hit the classics from Black Crows, The Rolling Stones, and Led Zeppelin, and some new sounds to each of us to tease our conversation. I'll jump to our chat in a minute, but we'll take a minute to promote Lynn's company. Indocana Health uses DNA testing to determine what kind of cannabis is your best fit and what to avoid. Head to episode 45 if you haven't already. Listen to how this unique company navigates the endocannabinoid system. And of course, outside Indocana Health, Lynn is a huge music fan. Here are some key snippets from our never aired conversation. You and I, we were talking on our last episode about our love for music and you have a vinyl collection and I'm sure your vinyl collection is more extensive than mine. That being said, uh, I thought it would be fun to, if you've got five minutes and your house is burning down and you only have time to get five to ten albums or more, whatever you can get your hands on, what would they be? Yeah, th- this was a- an extremely challenging experience because I started grabbing and obviously I'm not under duress, so I could like take a look and think about it. I'm not sure if the house is actually burning. I would grab all these, but there is a reason behind each one of them. So we can kind of go back and forth and maybe tomorrow, if I did this again, maybe a few of them and change, but there are some staples in here. Okay. So why don't you go first? Cool. So I will start with the black crows shake your moneymaker. And the reason behind this album there's so many reasons first of all the first time that we talked out a black crows uh, shirt on and uh, i just saw the black crows recently they haven't performed like in 15 years together i got to see both brothers uh, individual bands at a really interesting experience where uh, rich robinson called out somebody uh, that was going to see magpie salute which was his side band uh, for wearing a chris robinson you know uh uh what's that Chris Robinson experience, whatever his band was called. Uh, he called somebody out for yep. wearing 
the t-shirt, stopped the music and said, <laughs> how the fuck can you wear this shirt to my concert? You gotta, you gotta get out of it. It was of his bro brother's, brother's band. Years? Yeah, for real, man. It was fun. But uh, this, this, the Black Crows first of all played a really interesting uh, part of my life because they were the headline of the Horde Festival the time that I went and became the president of the Cannabis Action Network. So it, this album really holds a uh, a really dear uh, spot in my heart. And I mean, like the songs, Twice as Hard, Jealous Again, I mean, it's, it's such a luck. I mean, it's, it's a classic. She talks to angels. So I, I highly, this is a go-to that I, I just never get sick of. I love it too. So fun fact, I didn't know this until about a year ago uh, from watching a documentary on Chuck Lavelle, but he's on the majority of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and George Draculius produced it, which is a legendary uh, producer. So it's yeah, amazing album, highly recommended. Uh, so you're, you're sort of in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't have, yeah, I don't, I don't have it. I don't possess it. I had issues narrowing it down because of, are we doing originals? Because the way I think of vinyl is that's how I had fun with was when they were originally issued, but then uh, those were really hard to come by. And they, and they've gotten super expensive too. And, and also when I moved from Philly to LA, I left a huge box of, of vinyl. So every single time that I go back to Philly, like I grab a handful. So what I started doing was like, I started going to either like uh, garage sales, swap meets or stores, and I'll replace some of them that I don't have. And some of them were not original. So the reissues of the original that I used to have. So it's fine. We can go with it. Um, well, if it were, if we're going reissue, I gotta go with Stone's XL on Main Street. Uh, yeah, for sure. Why Why that one? Yeah, why that one out of all the Stones albums? I don't know, because I just, I think it's really diverse. And uh, that was, I, f I feel as though that was a golden era for the band. Um, Mick Taylor had, he's kick-ass. Uh, but Let It Bleed, that's, what, I, I mean, <laughs> I love Jimmy Shelter. <laughs> but, uh, and monkey man is one of my favorite songs um some people don't know it's just hard as hell to narrow down well that's that's the whole exercise man that's why it, it definitely is I hard know, man. but i'm in agreement with you i think it's a great album i just saw the stones at sofi stadium uh i i, I was in the pit i could reach out and touch make if i wanted to that's how close i was he at 80 years old or wherever he is around there he's incredible man the guy dances moves like everything he just had heart surgery now yeah so he was he was really good and uh i can't say the same for the the rest of the members of the band but he was he was really good i yeah no uh jagger still got it but uh we've we've communicated about this before if you had to pick a front man for a rock band who would you pick Mick Jagger is definitely the front man, but uh, I think Chris Robinson does a fantastic job as a front man. When he did that oh, yeah. Zeppelin tour uh, with Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page, yeah. I mean, he was fantastic. So, uh, and uh, yeah, I love I love J.K. from Jamiroquai. I think he would be a great front man, even though that's uh, 
not really rock, but I mean, the, the guy's incredible. Okay. And that, so that this exercise, what was disappointing is that I'm missing albums. So I, I have on vinyl the uh, County, I mean, the Black Crows with uh, Jimmy Page, and I can't find it. And <laughs> Sorry. That, that put me in like a shitty mood. <laughs> well, we mentioned it so people know Last that it night. exists. It's great. All right. So, yes, it it's badass. So. I'll go, I'll go next. And since, since I'm wearing the shirt, uh, today uh, that's the next album that uh wasn't really planned but uh it just comes together so tell me if this is fair so i have an album that has jar of flies alice in chains on the front and yeah, i have yeah. sap on the back so it's a double album it's double ep album but they're both on here is this fair because i'm kind of hitting both of them because i love but they're both eps and there is one album. <laughs> I, I'm gonna allow it because it's too it's too freaking hard to narrow it down to five, man, or ten. I just, that that was that was the craziest part. I, I love this album, by the way. Sap. Uh, so Jerry Cantrell basically did the entire album himself. Lane Staley didn't really participate much. He was going through a really hard time. Jerry was saying that. He weighed like a hundred pounds or less, and he wouldn't come out of his room. He wasn't in a good good shape uh, during that production. Lane Staley, and uh, also on this album is Mark Lanigan from, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, Mark Lanigan. I'll, I'll remember the name of the band. Just kind of escaped me for a second, but he just passed away recently too. So you have two people that recently passed. I think the drummer was uh, passed too. That are on these albums, such an incredible, emotional uh, album. Both of those, so I, I highly, highly recommend it. Screaming trees, screaming trees. Sorry, that's <laughs> screaming trees. Yes. Okay, yeah. I have an original of Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd, and I think for any teenage boy, <laughs> I feel as though we all have some sort of story, and of course. Uh, College as well, psychedelics, uh, Dark Side's epic. But you can't go wrong. I mean, Dark Side is the album. Uh, at one point, it was like the number one selling album of all time, and it's just a, a beautiful album, timeless, never goes uh, away. I have a different Pink Floyd album that I'm uh, suggesting. What do you have? I'm suggesting Wish You Were Here. And one of the main reasons behind this, because I beat, I beat up all the albums, the wall, and all these things. But this album, um, first of all, I love the photography on here. Uh, it's it's an amazing photo, and this is a really concept album. It tells a story from beginning to end. If you really listen to it and you read about what this album is about, it's sort of about a life from birth all the way to death. So if you look at the album, the way it's designed, uh, you know, shining your crazy diamond, then you're born, then it's welcome to the machine, you're in the machine, uh, then it goes into uh, have a cigar, now you're enjoying your life, have a cigar, then it goes into wish you were here, and then life ends again with shining your crazy diamond part two. 
So I think it's just a brilliant album. If you if you're enjoying some uh, psychotropics to enhance the experience, maybe you can get some uh, visual impact from that album as well. <laughs> and shine on you, crazy diamond. You you know that's about right, isn't? Go ahead. Isn't it uh, Sid Barrett? The whole album is really a tribute to Sid Barrett. You're absolutely correct. The album was written as a tribute to Sid Barrett. So every song is a reflection of the life of Sid Barrett in a way that's what they were saying. But so you're absolutely correct. It's all about Sid Barrett. I'm fascinated by that story, man. I really am. Uh, I just, they don't really know how much acid he LSD he ate. But... <laughs> a lot. But here's the thing with that, like yeah. no one, no one, like what, what we, what I do for, you know, from my company living, if you have predispositions to things like schizophrenia and psychosis and all that stuff, there's all kinds of things to set you off. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, an acid trip. It could have been, you know, stress. Somebody almost hit him, you know, walking the street or something like that, that could have triggered it too. So we don't know if there's a specific correlation. We just know that that psychosis and schizophrenia, whatever he actually had, was triggered through that experience. Is he still alive? I think he passed. I think he not that long ago. Yeah. Have you seen Pink? Did you ever get to see Pink Floyd? I've never, I've never seen the original All Members with Roger Waters, but I saw the very first concert I ever gone to was the, I believe it's Momentary Lapse of Reason tour, which is the first tour they had without Roger Waters, and it was at JFK Stadium in Philly and I went, my dad loves Pink Floyd. He introduced me to Pink Floyd and the Beatles. And I went with him and his brother. They love Pink Floyd, but they'd never seen them. So we went and some guy like spilled something on the back of my dad's jacket. There was joints passing around, which was my first experience of uh, somebody passing me a joint in the stadium. And after that, my dad said, I I'm never going to a concert again. And he never went to any other concerts with me ever again, first and, and last time. But it was 120,000 people at JFK Stadium. It's just incredible. 120,000? That's yeah, insane. That stadium is gone, but uh, it was it was just an yeah, amazing. Yeah. It was an amazing event. And I've seen Pink Floyd many times after that. Uh, I saw the, you know, the Division Belt tour. And uh, I saw Roger Waters a bunch of times but and David Gilmore. But this is this was the main like first one what are your thoughts on what's happened to pink floyd i mean have you seen roger i've seen roger waters three times but i never i love david gilmore and i've never never got to see floyd man what are my thoughts on the like do you side with either one of them i, I mean that? roger waters uh has some serious issues and you know to get up in front of a crowd every single time and rant and and yell and but like to me, you're 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 a musician, you're a rock star, you're given a platform. Use that platform for good unification or just play music, man. And there's a lot of things that he says that are just so off the wall. And David Gilmore, you know, he's not a great communicator, he communicates through music, but he seems to me like he's a sweet guy. And if you look, there's three of them that went this way, and there's one of them that went completely a different way. So there's got to be, if you ever watch the documentary Pink Floyd, when they get back together, they have this awkward exchange when they play on stage. And it's so weird because David Gilmore is so uncomfortable being around him. 
and it has to tell you something. Yeah, that's what, I mean, and Roger Waters can't sing anymore. So that's the one thing. Not that he could ever really sing that well, but he is everybody. Somebody else is singing all his parts, and David Gilmour can still sing and play. I saw uh, Roger Waters in Quebec at uh, Plains of Abraham, and he did the Wall. It was ninety thousand Quebecois, and it was pretty awesome. And it was so crazy because I had met some. My friend and I we met, <laughs> met some friends at a. Uh, bar right near the park and um, of course they had a joint and I got so stoned and and I don't speak French fluently whatsoever I mean I, I can I know a little bit and my friend didn't speak any French and so <laughs> it's just was so weird to be in Canada in that province and uh, it was just uh, mind-blowing and that's uh experience i'll never forget so i don't have as much uh of i don't know i think roger waters is very talented but i also agree with you he can be very outspoken as well yeah i mean the music speaks for itself uh, you can go and see the wall and listen to it and it's still incredible and for many many years roger waters couldn't perform any other pink floyd uh songs except for on the wall and now he's performing it's great and i always love to hear pink floyd music uh but he just doesn't really perform the songs so just so people know there's other singers singing them yeah and then i i have three zeppelin all right i think i have more <laughs> and what do you we were talking what do you have as far as zeppelin goes man this was the most difficult one for me because i started with zeppelin 2 because and this is an original Zeppelin two with uh, the fold out. It's great, but I mean, whole lot of love. The Lemon song, thank you, Heartbreaker, uh, Ramble on. I mean, it's incredible. But once I grabbed this, then I'm like, I went to the song remains the same soundtrack, and I'm like, it's got a lot of the same songs plus Days and Confused plus uh, you know uh, the Rain song and rock and roll yeah. and i'm like oh well stairway to heaven. right maybe i can combine uh, it but i didn't know if that was if that was cheating or not i have it, I have it too because that i love that film as well it's it's so i get a story about the song remains the same uh, the film so okay. this i was i saw in the in the early 80s early to mid 80s i saw a movie called beat street and it was about like a hip hop movie uh, about rap. So I really got into hip hop and I was starting to break dance and got out of rock for a little bit. And then my buddy gave me a VHS tape of the song Remains the Same. And this was sort of, I think this was in eighth grade maybe. Um, and every day I was a latchkey kid. So I could come home from school and I would be home. My parents don't get home till like six, 6.30 and we have hours to kill. So we put on the VHS tape the song remains the same, make tinfoil bowls. Uh, there was like four of us, five of us, and we'd get our nickel bag of weed that we got with stems and seeds, and we would smoke and watch that movie every single day. I watched the song remains the same, I don't know, a hundred times at least. So love that movie. Uh, yeah, I've seen it at least 25, 30 times. And I, uh, growing up, I played the drums 
until my dad took my drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, John Bonham is fucking the man. I love him. Uh, as a, I mean, I love the whole band, obviously. I think Robert Plant, for me, He's my front man. Yeah. That's who I would pick. Yeah. If it were 1977. Well, you didn't you didn't preface that because I just saw Robert Plant two weeks ago with Alison Krauss. So Robert Plant performed three Zeppelin songs. He's not the same Robert Plant. Love Robert Plant. It still sounded pretty good, but he took down the octave. So it's different. Robert Plant in the 70s, 100%. Robert Plant now, eh, good. Well, great. <laughs> he's still Robert Plant. Well, I mean, maybe he's just not as, yeah, obviously he's perhaps not as aged well and is not as nimble. But if you've got to pick somebody and it's in the 70s, i got to go with Robert Plant. I, I'm in agreement with you. If it's in the 70s, he's, absolutely Robert Plant. And drummer, absolutely John Bond. Uh, to me, he's the greatest, even though I think Ginger Baker maybe technically is a more proficient drummer because he's got the jazz drumming and he's a crazy man or was. But John Bonham's... There's a unique sound to that drum that all the drummers are like, that's a bottom drum. Yeah, Ginger Baker definitely, it's clearly obvious that he has a jazz influence. Bonham is just, on the kid, he's a madman genius. Agreed. I just, I, I think he's kick-ass. Um, and that's pretty obvious to most people who love the drums. He's definitely, if he's not in your top five, then there's something wrong. He's, he's everybody's, he's everybody's I mean, top five, for sure. But I mean, I don't have Led Zeppelin 2. I've got four, which I love. Uh, and then I've got physical graffiti. And then in reality, as a kid. <laughs> four is, uh, it's the original one. Is that a, is that a original? That's the original. This is the first, original? this is the first album I've ever bought in my life, myself. So this is the original. It's all kind of torn up a little bit, but it's the original. What year did you buy that? So I bought this in the early 80s. I'm trying to remember what what's the year. I think it's 71. It came out, of, yeah. That sounds right. Early, it came out, yeah. Atlantic Records, 1971. So, yeah, but that's how I was exposed to Zeppelin as a kid was just through the radio. So I had to back into it. And also when I was a boy, I didn't know, I wasn't really listening to the lyrics. I got used to Jamaica and some of the, like that felt like middle school to me. But then I started listening to the lyrics like Whole Lot of Love and other songs clearly. And I, I said, holy shit, this is about sex. <laughs> and it, it just sort of culminated perfectly for adolescence and growing, you know. But here's the, yeah, I mean, squeeze my lemon till the juice runs down my leg. What is he talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's the thing with Zeppelin, though. They, they have a little bit of a black eye. And the reason why is they should have referenced Willie Dixon as instead of going through lawsuits and all that stuff, they should have referenced <clears throat> Willie Dixon as the writer of a lot of these songs. You know, it doesn't sound like a Willie Dixon version. It doesn't sound like a Muddy Waters version, but they still should have, you know, referenced the interpolation using, you know, songs they hold a lot of love. And they didn't. That's true. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, 
or some people don't realize how heavily influenced bands like the Stones and Zeppelin were by Muddy Waters and Robert Johnson. Uh, they named their band Rolling Stones after a song, so. Yeah, true, but a lot of people don't know that either. <laughs> like, um, they're such a huge commercial success, but that's what I love about, it's the backstory. Um, I have, I couldn't find my other Hendrix, but I mean, I. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Let get mine. I got the Jimi Hendrix Experience. I love this album. There you go. So, yeah, I thought I couldn't find it. I have it somewhere. I don't know what. Purple Haze, <laughs> Manic Depression, Hey Joe, yeah. When Cries Mary, all of them are on here. So beautiful album. I went a different direction altogether on this next one. And you may or not may not be familiar with it. It's a band called Zero Seven. I don't know if you can see this or not. I can, yeah, yeah. So are you are you familiar with this band? Oh, no, this, tell me about it. It's a great band. Uh, it's it's very difficult to describe. It's not rock, uh, but there's um, Sia, who is the, the big pop star, Sia. Yes. She was in this band. And her singing is freaking incredible. It's, it's like, I will put it in the category of uh, like theory corporation type. There's a little bit of electronic, there's, there's guitars, yeah. but it's, it's like lo-fi, uh, kind of music, but man, the, the singing on like, uh, just this album is called simple things. The singing on distractions, uh, in the waiting line. I highly, highly recommend this album. It's, uh, <clears throat> one that like, I never get sick of listening to incredible, uh, piece of, uh, of music when did when did it come out and how did you get exposed to it uh this came out in 2001 so how, okay. how i got exposed to this is that i used to like listening to this whole lo-fi more chiba uh hoover phonic all these different bands uh, i'm not sure if you're familiar with them or not but this was in this genre and when I listened to this one song uh, called In the Waiting Line, I was like, who's singing on this? And then I went and researched. I'm like, Sia, who is this person? She, no, no, like covering her face, none of that stuff. And uh, I really fell in love with this band. I think they're, they're really incredible. If you like, you know, that type of music, I highly recommend it. Awesome. I'll have to check them out. For sure. Do you have any curveballs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a question. I have a question. So I love Tribe Called Quest. So they are my number one hip hop group of all time to me. You too, man. He's the man. The best. So I love Low End Theory, which is my favorite album. However, there are songs on other albums uh, that are not on Low End Theory that are just like incredible songs. So I have like a war tour. I have a tribe called Quest, the anthology, which is, I guess it's greatest hits, but I'm not sure if this is legal for us to include in, uh, in this, uh, in this review, because most of the songs, if you look at most of the songs, 
there a lot of them are from low on theory, but there's a few from uh, people's uh, uh, instinctive travels, whatever, whatever it's called, rhymes, um, paths and rhymes. And also, also two songs from Midnight Marauders on here. But so I don't know if this is legal or not to use, if it's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, every single song in this album is still valid, still current, still kicks ass. If you put it on, if you're a hip hop head, uh, this is this is one of them. I can't find that one that I wanted was uh, Beastie Boys. Which one? Paul's Boutique yeah. or Ill, Communica Ill Communication. I have them all, uh, but I have a, I have a curveball Beastie Boys. All right, let's see. Which one? So it's called In the Sound from Way Out. This okay. is a, oh, yeah, I know that one. This is an instrumental album for the most yes. part. I love their instrumental. This album. is one of the greatest underrated Beastie Boy albums of all time. It's an incredible, it's got Ricky's theme on there, Bobo in the Corner, uh, you know, uh, Shambhalala. These are incredible, incredible, like instrumental with, with a little bit of lyrics here and there, but it's uh, it's a super, super cool album that I highly recommend people check out. They can fucking, they, they, I love their instrumental stuff. They can jam, man. Uh, this, like, featuring it. Mario C. <laughs> this is great, yeah. man. That put me in a shitty mood last night <laughs> when I couldn't find stuff like that. But I mean, I have also stuff that's, uh, I don't know, would, I've got Purple Rain, Prince. Of course, classic. Um, have to. By the way, it was just, I think it was the 30th or 25th anniversary of Purple Rain, maybe 30th. I just went to see at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I don't know if you know, this is where like, you know, they have celebrity you know graves and all this stuff but they they showed purple rain and it was on the screen it was hundreds and hundreds of people dressed up as prince or dressed up as a part and we really? all got to watch the purple rain together and sing along and smoke weed and it was it was just a great experience yeah this it's just hard to narrow down everything our conversation continued including discussions on the grateful dead john mayer and others I cut it down to our very top albums, but perhaps a video clip or two may sneak into my Instagram feed if you're interested in even more banter. Another cannabis advocate and music lover is Andrew D'Angelo, co-founder of The Last Prisoner Project. Our episode only scratches the surface of our shared love of music. Here's a quick snippet of how Andrew got into vinyl. I'm huge into music. And I read that you have a huge vinyl collection. You got to humor me because I busted out some of my great ones. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, man. Like, I don't know what you, I don't know who you got to speak with, but please, like, just humor me, dude. I love vinyl. I've got oh, a great, yeah, man. what, what are your, what are your proudest or your best ones? You got JJ Kale, Troubadour. Oh, my God. That's great. Well, uh, television, uh, friggin', of course. Exile Main Street. Oh, yes. Not, not an original. Uh, Allman Brothers, Brothers and Sisters, Led Zeppelin 4. Yes, all the Led Zeppelins I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just got Stop Making Sense, the soundtrack, Talking Heads. How about speaking of this, Rolling Stones? Oh, yeah, I've Emotional got... Rescue. Love that album. Yeah, yeah. One of my and, favorite Stones. Yeah, one of my favorite album covers right here, speaking of Talking Heads. Yep. Boom. Yep. Yep. Oh, so, yeah. And one of the things that was interesting 
my partner Samantha, her mom passed away a few years ago, and we inherited a whole bunch of vinyl. And that's what inspired me to get a record player. Was what a treasure, man! What a what a yeah, find, dude! Was digging into that vinyl collection she had, and she actually worked for a record company when she was alive. And so that's mainly what I've been digging into and discovering all the mainly from the seventies and early eighties, uh, a lot of that music. And um, now I've gotten turned on to vinyl. I, you know, I'm starting to pick up pieces here and there on my own now. I like the Talking Heads album. So um, it's great. You know, the, the, the sound quality on vinyl, so much better, better I love than it, man. compressed digital yeah. sound it's too compressed and it's you lose a lot of it so um i i now i just got to get some badass speakers for my turntable same, same. really what, really hear it what you know? yeah which kind of turn, turntable do you oh have? i got the vitrola uh, uh ones they're not the super highest quality one but you can right. plug a really good speaker in there and then you got then you can rock and roll pretty good do you have one that's even wireless like i've got an audio yes i have the, the, cool, yeah. you, can, you can plug in digital speakers yeah, and other yeah. things yeah 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 yeah, no, it's it's it, <laughs> it's kind of a hybrid. It's kind of a hybrid, but you know everything is these days. But I, I had to bring it up, man. I, I just love vinyl, so I appreciate Thank you, man. You. Me too. Well, I'm glad you're a musical music lover, and this has been a great conversation. Of course, music has meant more to me than just an appreciation of sound. Music has been my medicine and helped me through some of the darkest moments of my life. Having the privilege of interviewing a wide variety of musicians, many of my guests have found not only the music itself to be therapeutic, but even the writing and performing of their work. Singer-songwriter and activist Maven Avila of the alternative rock band Dead Letterman shared a personal story of the cathartic impact of writing the song Mother's Day. So I came across a song, you gotta humor me if you don't mind, the Kentucky punk on Spotify Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. What's the what's the story behind that? Yeah, uh, we're asking the hard questions already. So you know, I I would say I come from a rather unpleasant background, uh, with my parents, uh, namely my mother, and uh, she was you know I mean let's let I, I won't I won't sugarcoat it. I had an abusive mother. And we have not had a very healthy relationship. Uh, you know, I haven't been close to her since my teens. When I started writing for this project, um, she had come back into contact with me. And we had a very just not pretty conversation. And, you know, uh, I had just started, like I said, working on this project. I had been writing stuff. And I just said, I just need to tell the story. Like, a lot of times when you're writing a song, um, you're worrying about how accessible is this or how did this listener relate to it? How singable is this? And with this one, I just kind of said, you know, to hell with all of that. I'm just going to tell the story for me and for only me. So that's kind of what Mother's Day is. It's a declaration. Lead singer Juniper Waller of California-based funk and soul band The Gold Souls really captures the intermingling and power of music to deliver a meaningful message and still have the audience get down and boogie. 
I wanted to speak to um, kind of uh, elaborate on what Billy was saying and, and what you were saying about music being medicine uh-huh. and the times. Yes. Right? We started realizing that like the impact of music that's meaningful and about things and about issues that we're encountering in life that also makes you dance. Yeah. It's like if you c- combine those two things, it's even more impactful, you know, because you can like work it through your body, yeah. you can Absolutely. work it out. And so that's, I think that that's kind of the thing that clicked for, for at least the, the three of us, you know, me, Billy, and Alex, who are the three members who have been, you know, who founded the band. We need to be making dance music that moves people, right? That moves people emotionally and also moves people to the dance floor to be in community together. Um, and to kind of just like, yeah, shake some of it off, right? With Neurons to Nirvana hosting creatives and alternative healers, I always try to ask those trained therapists and coaches how much music has influenced their approach to therapy, mental health, entrepreneurship, and overall creativity. To finish out the recap of 2022, I want to share the excerpts of two entrepreneurs and visionaries around psychedelic leadership. Bijou Finney, also known as the Mushroom Mamacita, talks about how she incorporates sound into her sessions, and Laura Dawn, author and host of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, shares her insights into how music is part of her trinity to achieve a flow state. But with with mushrooms, it's really interesting to me that um, I want to start most of our ceremonies with sound healing with like crystal bowls, just because it all puts us on the same frequency. We're all resonating with that sound and and opening. But um, sometimes music is very loaded for some people. So um, I don't it's such a long playlist and I don't want a triggering song um, to, to come on or uh, sometimes like I've, I've done so many of my own ceremonies that, um, the feeling of the music really affected like my mood, whether it was like more of a somber music or an upbeat music or even a sad music. It took me through so much emotion, which would have been wonderful if I wanted to be on that ride. But at times I was really wanting to go deep into certain things and the music would bring me up and out of it. And so I, I'm very careful to, uh, potentially have um, little to no music unless we keep bringing back in like uh, sound healing music, but otherwise uh, being really careful about how much music we have on, especially the super d- deep trips, just because I want them to be in their own minds and I want them to not be affected about the world around them. But I mean, if it's like a couple's trip or a couple's experience um, or where you're able to walk and talk and dance, then, oh, absolutely, like music is imperative. So it really just depends on what the program is and how much you're trying to do. Tell me, you know, with your program and your 
basically your thoughts how do you integrate music i know that you have your own playlist which i haven't been able to get through or or but you play what i love is you've got a song every episode yeah i love music so much it's my medicine so i kind of wanted to music is medicine yes i mean that's and then you combine that with movement then you know and maybe that's your meditation pretty much that's you know? what it's been in my whole life yeah <laughs> I, movement I, and, and music and understanding what we what we know now about embodied cognition and that's part of the reason that i also didn't do great in school in elementary school and high school is that i actually think better when i'm standing up and Same. when I'm moving. Absolutely. And so I actually, it's harder for me to drop into the real flow while I'm sitting down. That's why I actually teach all my classes standing up at a desk and there's space for me to move. That's right. So it's actually learning how we learn and we all learn differently. And we also yeah, all have different minds and we celebrate that and finding, oh, how is my mind creative and what is my creative process? And music combined with microdosing and movement is just the trinity of the flow state trigger that helps my brain work at its best. That's a wrap for Neurons to Nirvana in 2022. Next year, we are already set up to share some exciting guests. From singer-songwriters to psychedelic-assisted therapists, you will have a chance to expand your music library or your mind and hopefully a little bit of both. Victor Hugo said, music expresses that which cannot be said and on which it is impossible to be silent. I will be back with my weekly Thursday release schedule beginning on January 5th. Until then, may music strike a fire in your heart and keep you warm during these cold winter days. Until next time, I'm Tom Hartridge, and this is Neurons to Nirvana.